Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Of The Month podcast, a video game club where we play and discuss a new game each month. My name is David and with me is my good friend Sam. Hey you. So, we played our first game for the fucking game of the month club, dude. That game is called Fez. Yeah, dude, it was great. I did really enjoy it. I have been abstaining from asking you much about the game, even though I was pretty sure you liked it, but I wasn't 100% sure. For sure. Yeah, dude, it was great. It was very cool. For anyone who skipped the first episode, we announced that we were going to be playing Fez, and that was my pick. Fez is one of my favorite games of all time, like top 10 list shit. I mean, it was just a very clever puzzle game. It was very cool. I liked it a lot. Dude, it's... Yeah, I am so glad you liked it, dude. (laughs) So... We needed to like call it something. I called it last time. Was it a exploration puzzle platformer? Yeah, I think that's like pretty apt. Yeah, a two D three D puzzle platformer. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even like. That's was... the whole thing. Is like that doesn't even include that. But yeah, so it's a two D puzzle platformer that was built and see. You can't just you can't do it. You cannot do it succinctly. Yeah, no, it's it's too hard. It's very unique. That's for sure. I guess let's go through like the beginning of the game and then we'll kind of reveal you know yep. by the way so we're going to pause right here if anyone hasn't figured this out full fucking spoilers yep like these are going to be in-depth breakdowns of the games we are going to talk about everything our experience with them the playthrough the deep dark secrets of the games not comprehensive necessarily but we're going to touch on everything we can in these it's spoilers if you don't want to know go play the game first yeah <laughs> highly recommend it so I'm just going to kind of go through, I wrote down my experience through the intro. Okay. You wake up, your character wakes up in a bedroom. He is like a white little blob guy. He is the color Creature guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Big fucking head. Yeah. Weird little guy. Got a drum set in his room. He has books, photos, notes taped on the wall, red string, string lights hanging up. It is a lot like any of the spaces that I would have inhabited at that time <laughs> for right. in my life. <laughs> So did you like look around your room first, or would you exit right away and get the fuck in it? Um, I pretty much exited right away. I don't remember the the bedroom really. Yeah, dude, I sat in there forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you exit and that small cutscene plays right away. It shows your village, kind of screens upwards, this lush, calm greenery everywhere. It's a floating island. It pans out and up through the entire village. You can see other people that live there, little creatures. And eventually it settles on an elder at the top of the village with a red hat and an eye patch. And he mails you a note down to your house via bank-style suction tube. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, the note sucks down to your place, and you can walk over to your mailbox and read it. And it says, Dear Gomez, you learn your name, please meet me at the top of the village. I have something very important to tell you. Today is a special day. Signed, Geezer. So, that's that, and then you're just kind of free to roam around the village for the first time. Yeah, and at this point, it's solely a 2D, 2D platformer. Yep, you can't do shit yet. You're just kind of talking to the villagers. You talk to the villagers much? I talked to, I think, almost everyone, yeah. yeah dude. And, you know, it was fun, but definitely they didn't give you anything that you, like, we didn't come away with. They no. They didn't give you anything loved, useful, but. They just love talking about good little squares. world building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, 
they mentioned specifically that there's only one the this you know only one dimension and yep. <laughs> so it's pretty meta yeah what do they call devil squares isn't that what they yeah, call devil squares yeah. <laughs> so they refer to cubes as oh that's so funny dude so the first time i entered the game it just kind of feels refreshing it kind of feels like the shire where it's just like blue sky there's greenery everywhere it's alive there's little creatures there's a, there's a town going on you're in your own little village it's super fun yeah it kind of feels like when you first set off and link to the past a little bit if you yeah, remember that's, that that's exactly what i thought yeah it felt very reminiscent to to link yeah yeah dude link to the past yeah also I think this game, and I'll mention this a million times, but I feel like it has a good job of making you curious about like the environment around you. Yeah. And there's a lot of games that are huge and sprawling, and I don't give a fuck about everything in them. I don't care. But this game has that Zelda handcrafted feel. I feel like every moment of this was like really specific. Yep, yep, for sure. And another thing I really liked about it is how calm it was. Like, just like a starting Zelda village, that's just a ton of comparisons like that. But, like, yeah. Kokoriko Village, or however you say it, yeah. like that same kind of feel where you just, like, you know that you're in your character's zone, like, their, you know, comfort space, and you can just kind of do whatever, and it's not going to affect anything in the game. Right. But, like, surprise, the whole fucking game feels that way, which is awesome. <laughs> I love that the entire game is just chill, mostly. You know, besides, like, a couple specific parts yeah i mean there are definitely a few frustrating parts but (laughs) (laughs) so you climb up and you talk to geezer so he says today is a special day adventure is ready it's gomez time (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember that (laughs) it's gomez time So then he's, there's a brief pause, and he says, Any time now, and a giant cube of light appears, begins spinning faster and faster, light and colors fill the screen, high-pitched ringing, and you're transported to an unknown location filled with purple rocks, green foliage. And there's a giant gold cube that floats in the middle of the screen above Gomez. The cube is apparently alive and begins talking to you in a language you don't understand. It's written as well. Like, it's not, you know, you, you were there. Yeah. So, I'm sure you noticed how, like, it's a written language pretty much out the gates. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, not necessarily what the expectations were around that, but they at least bothered to make their own symbols, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a whole fucking language in this game. There's a whole bunch of different fucking shit you have to encode in this game. And it's I, not fucking easy. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. <laughs> but I went ahead and decoded, or I looked up the decoding of what he says in the beginning. So this giant cube is, talk, cube is talking to you, and he says, Hi there, how are you? I will be your hexahedron today. So this is just routine procedure, but I do need someone here just in case something goes wrong. If something does go wrong, you are going to have to clean up the mess. Hey, wait a minute, can you even understand what I am saying? <laughs> and what is wrong with your head? <laughs> oh well, you are here now, might as well do this thing. Prepare to have your mind blown. Then there's a bunch of spinning and whizzing sounds again. It comes, You come out of it, and the cube again says, All right, welcome to the club. Enjoy your free hat. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought maybe this would not work because of your weird head, but everything looks A-OK from here. Thanks for the hand. You can go home now. It was nice to meet you. Then a beam of light shoots down from the sky, and slowly a red fez hat lowers from the sky onto your head, and the light disappears. 
now you can change perspectives. And this is kind of like the, the crux of the game, right? What actually sets it apart other than its own feel and art and sound and all that shit, right? Right. So what were your thoughts on that when that was revealed? I, I was very intrigued. I thought that was a very, like I said, very unique and interesting aspect of the game that you... <clears throat> Yeah, you hit you know left and right trigger to kind of rotate your perspective ninety degrees, and so it's a two D flat platformer, but then you can see it from multiple angles, and it was very very cool. It was like I said, I was very impressed with just the idea of the game. I remember feeling that way, and also a little bit like overwhelmed, or like even just right out <laughs> right the out gate, the gates. I was just like, oh my god, there's so much that you can do with this. I have to like be on my fucking toes <laughs> you know? I was almost a little intimidated right away just thinking about the possibilities you yeah know? Dude, I actually wrote down a little bit later I was gonna ask you specifically like is there any moments where you felt a little overwhelmed hey buddy um for anyone unaware we do have a third official co-host his name is Merlin <laughs> he's the kitty cat that lives around these parts he has a lot to say <laughs> oh. but yeah there's definitely overwhelming spots where it's you know they they have all these different puzzles and they are and you know that the answer is in there somewhere you know that there's something <laughs> but you have no fucking clue what that answer is or yeah. how to find it yeah that's one thing I love about this game. It's the kind of game that's like, all right, you have what you need. Sit here and look at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, just look at this room. Spin it four different times. Look at it this way. Look at it this way. Look at it this way. Write something down. Try something. It's going to fail. Try something else. That's going to fail. You just have to sit there and look at the game. And it's the best. <laughs> and they trick you into thinking that they're going to help you out. They give you the little buddy, the little, like, I don't even know what yeah. it is or what it's called. I can't it's remember. Just it's like a, I think it's Dot. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's just this like floating little, it almost just looks like. It's supposed to be like a four-dimensional shape. That's right. like the whole yeah. inspiration behind it, I think. And so, yeah, so I guess it's a, you know, a little hypercube, basically. Yeah. And it's just a floating little hypercube that talks to you. And so it'll like float into you know into an area where it's like oh that okay so this is the spot that I need to go to and you go there and it talks it's like hey I forgot what's supposed to, what this does and I'm just like well you fucker like I was I was I was gonna I was expecting to learn from you what this yeah. does it's just like hey notice this that's it that's all I give you yep. hey notice this <laughs> just, and multiple different puzzles it just comes up it's like. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> what this is. I'm like, well, I don't fucking know what it is. <laughs> yeah, it was really helpful. I never knew. <laughs> so you get your training wheels and you can press L2 and R2 and you can swing back and forth. And you swing and the cube starts spinning and it glitches out and freezes. And we get the first of what becomes a tradition in Fez. <laughs> a forced reboot. <laughs> This is their favorite thing to do. <laughs> they yeah. do it a lot of times in this game. Uh, and then it shows the intro again. Just like when you open the game the first time, it takes you to the start menu. The Fez title glitches back and forth a little bit. You press X to start again. And ominous music plays before it loads you back into your room next to your drum set. Same as when you started the game a couple minutes ago the first time. You exit the room and it spins the entire village 360 degrees all the way around you see it from every angle just to make sure you understand what you can do with this power what they have done with this game yeah this new mechanic yeah 
And so you start walking around the village and spinning everything. And it is super fun. You start, at least for me, I remember that one of the first things I tried in the village was shortcutting. Where it was like, alright, I want to go all the way to the right. So what I'm going to do is turn the view 90 degrees, change the perspective. I'm just going to call it changing the perspective. Yeah. Um, so I change the perspective, move slightly, then change the perspective back, and I would be at the end. Yeah. So it was just like time jumping, kind of, right? But yeah. not really, it's perspective jumping. And I was just like, yes, it works. That's so cool. They've thought this game through. And I was immediately excited about the game. Like, I was, I've was, i seen lots of cool indie games with a, a cool gimmick because I could really build on this. And they don't. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, it was a cool 20, 30-minute game. You know? Yeah. You had maybe a couple hours. But it's like, it's not a deep game. It's just a fun little game. And that told me out the gates that this is not that. That they have thought this fucking game through. And I was super pumped. Yeah, I mean, in fact, that... That mechanic is like pretty crucial to the game. That's part of, you know, that's kind of how you solve some of the puzzles is that you have to do that. You have to change perspectives and just find yourself on a different, in a completely different spot of the level just simply from swapping perspectives yep. a couple of times. Oh, I love that, dude. I yeah. love that. So I think right, then I think when you walk out of your house, that's when they introduce you to Dot, right? Yeah, well, that sounds right. He says, Gomez, something went wrong. I need your help. I was sent to guide you. I am Dot. The hexahedron has been fragmented, shattered, and scattered all over the world. You must restore it. Without it, everything will collapse. You have received a gift. A great secret has been revealed to you. This is a world beyond our village and dimensions beyond the ones you occupy. Then Dot drifts down below your home, showing a door with a single square drawn on it. This door leads to the outside world, but for now it is sealed shut. The markings on it indicates that it won't open until you have collected at least one cube. There are many such doors in the world, each requiring more cubes than the last. To reach the end of this journey, you will need to find all 32 cubes. But first, you must leave this place. Then Dot drifts back up towards your house, and a small golden cube piece appears. There are eight cube bits in this village, like this one here. Together they'll form a full cube, which you can use to unseal the door. Find them. So, quick recap. There's shiny gold cubes. They're important. You have to find them all, or else the universe collapses with you in it. No pressure. Remember to use L2 and R2 to change your perspective. Now get going. And that's everything. Yeah, that's pretty much all of the directions they ever give you the whole game. You're like 1% into this 209% game, yeah. and, and, the, and then they're done giving you directions. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love like when you save and you come back, and you're like, oh, you're 30 40% done. Like, I'm halfway there, you know? And then... Yeah, no, it's a 209% game. 100% means nothing. Yeah, I This guy's 209.4. Yeah, and so yeah, then you're just left to your own devices to figure everything else out. Yep. So, go back through the village, collect all the eight pieces, explore everything. Something I thought was pretty cool is like a lot of the homes don't have something on the other three walls. They're blank. Right, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you go to the mayor's house. Or the geezer's house, and it's there's shit on all the walls and the drawings and all over. You go to the boiler room for the first time, and at least for me, I like immediately knew that this was the room that was important because there was nothing I could like readily do. Right. And it was just like a very complicated room. Just like, oh, okay, this is. I have a feeling I'll be back here, and I was correct. We end up back there a lot. Yeah. And I think actually you get your first treasure map there too. Oh. Which is cool. That's your first clue to the puzzle is in there yeah that makes sense and then yeah just like you said dot says you have found a treasure map from what to where i do not know 
figure it out yourself. And <laughs> <laughs> something I thought was really cool about this game, which is pretty crucial because it can be labyrinthian to navigate this game. Yeah, for sure. So when you stand in front of a doorway, a little shape appears, almost like a thought bubble. Dot creates a reflection for you and shows you what's on the other side of that doorway. You don't have to enter it and exit it over and over and over trying to find stuff. Yeah, that so, I definitely appreciated. Yeah, that was a stroke of genius. And then something I started noticing the coolest lo-fi soundtrack for sure the the visual design is really cool and the sound design i think is even better i was really impressed and really enjoyed the sounds the the music and just the sound effects and specific there are specific rooms and specific areas that have just really fun music and noises like the stormy area the 8-bit thunder just satisfying same with the room with the neon uh, platforms. That just feels good to listen to. I completely agree. I have often, especially during this playthrough, I just kind of leave it on in the background and I'll just rest for a while or chill out. And just hearing the game in the background is so relaxing most yeah. of the time, most areas. <laughs> and then something else I notice is just like the the coloring of the game, all the different pastels and the different color themes really would play into a lot of things in the future past this game. Like they were way ahead of the curve. So So, yeah, so you start going through the village, you collect those gold pieces in the intro and you start talking to the villagers and they start talking about three dimensions right out the gate. Stuff has changed. One villager says, nice hat, unrelated. (laughs) Another villager says, that was a cube, but that's not possible. Then you start realizing there are chests in the game, keys. That's all introduced in this very first village. They do a great job on this intro area, too. They really do. Yeah. Like, it really gives you an idea of what you're looking at pretty early on. So you find your first key, your first chest in there. I love that opening a chest is the Zelda sound. Just naturally, you go through the village, you find all eight. You get the cube, you can unlock the door, and you can leave the village. As you step through... Dot introduces the map immediately. That's right. You will spend a lot of time in this map. I think it's really well built. What were your impressions when you first opened the map? When I first opened the map, I didn't like it. I was like, this is complicated, and this is... So overwhelming, Yeah, I was like, dude, this is going to... This, like... But it's one of those things where once you, like... Once you figure out what it's getting at, what it's doing, you're like, okay, never mind. This is pretty efficient. This is pretty well done, actually. I don't know if a better map could have been created fully. I'm sure you could find ways to tweak this and make it better. But it's pretty fucking good, especially for the time, right? I thought of you immediately opening that. When I I opened it and started looking at it, I was like, oh, he has to look at this for the first time. (laughs) I remember how that felt. Yeah, I was just like, oh, my God. Especially once you start going through a few doors, you start opening up more of the map, you're just like, motherfucker, what is this? Where where does it stop? (laughs) So the backdrop of the map is the night sky, stars shining dimly. I thought that was really fucking cool. The top right of the map, the controls are shown. Zoom in, zoom out, pan, spin, yada, yada, yada. Just how to navigate it, actually. Bottom left is a legend of the symbols used on the map. They're all self-explanatory. Yeah. That's it. In the center are numerous hexagons connected by different lines. Complicated lines. Yep. (laughs) Each hexagon represents a different room or area you've uncovered in the game. Then there's lines between each hexagon showing where they connect. So, like, if you have a main room, there will be lines from the subrooms all connecting to the main room to kind of show you how that works. Each hexagon is bordered in either gold or gray. 
gold means room is complete gray means there's still more to find in there yep and you know when you explain it like that it makes it sound pretty simple but man looking at it the first time at least is a little tougher to wrap your head around it's a lot it's a lot (laughs) so back in the game you see you see the map and you come out of a doorway near the bottom of a huge gray stone pillar to climb up you have to cling to vines on the surfaces and then spiral up so this gives you the first thing where you can grab it and then turn so you just kind of spiral up the pillar and climb up that way. Pretty fucking easy, but it really gets you starts getting you used to using these these new controls. Yeah. One thing I noticed that I thought was really cool, and it's something I passively noticed before, but I actively noticed this time, is as you are grabbing those cube bits, it is an octave. Different notes in an octave. Oh, I don't right. know what note it starts at, but we'll say it starts at A, it goes through the notes, and then it hits the next octave of A for the final eighth one. Gotcha, I didn't realize over. that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I was just like, oh, this is pleasant. Boom, 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 boom. Very cool. Yeah, man. So, yeah, you get to the top, you reach the second sealed door, it has two cubes on it, you unlock the door and step through again. You come out on a smaller pillar surrounded by even smaller floating patches of rock and grass. The backdrop is black with pink lines crisscrossing at 90 degree angles, almost like plaid and flannel. It looks so cool. It yeah. looks so cool. It's like a mixture of like Zelda and Tron. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, so you're in there and Dot says, whoa, check this place out. Feels pretty important, eh? Let's have a look around, shall we? You both uncover more doors. They, you see a door requiring four cubes, eight cubes, 16 cubes. This place is like some sort of important door place. Uh, I don't know. That's why you're here. Now go find them cubes. <laughs> <laughs> he immediately became a member of Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> also right here, this is the first time at least for me that I noticed one of the little tiny side hallway doors. We'll call them. They have the two little squares on it. And you can only go through them when you've discovered both ends. Oh, yeah. So I noticed, like, my first one in the game here. And I was just like, oh, what's that? I remember seeing that the first time and being like, there are so many secrets in this fucking game. I This is, like, the fourth kind of door I've seen already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only in, like, the third room. <laughs> <laughs> so you go through the doorway, and you're on another small island surrounded by small islands floating in the water. You can see the sky this time. And this is where the game begins to open up. Until this spot, everybody is kind of forced through the same hallway. That's no longer the case. There are now alternate paths. There is no through line anymore. Good luck out there. (laughs) So you're free to go through innumerable rooms, endless routes, finding secret paths, hidden cubes, endless puzzles, animation styles. I fucking love this game. On my, this is my, I don't know how many times I've played it. I still got excited when I reached this moment. I was just like... All the memories flooded past me of all the different rooms I was going to be doing. And my memory sucks. So, like, the deep puzzles and how everything actually works, I forget until I'm doing it. Yeah. Right? And then there are some puzzles I completely forgot how to solve. For sure. Yeah, man. I remember that I just kind of scattershot. I just did as much as I could in a room, and then I found a door and just went into the next one. And I was just... I was thinking that it would be pretty self-contained. It would be pretty... I'd be like, you know, I'll just take care of it as I go along, kind of clean up as I, and come back. And I just kept finding more doors and more doors. And you know, you, many of these rooms have multiple doors. And so you're like, well, shit, you 
get to one area and there's three doors in this room. So you're like, okay, let's clean up this area. And you go through one of the doors and then there's three more doors in that area. And you're like, oh my God, dude, I got to go back. I got to go back and start cleaning up because I know I missed shit. Yep. And like, you don't realize that first that that's fine. That's kind of, and that's intended. You got, that's, that's kind of the point of it is that you just kind of go through and you do as much as you can. And then that's, that's where you really start relying on the map to be like, okay, where do I go to clean back up? Absolutely. There's like, to me, there's not counting the intro. I feel like there's three phases. Phase one is just cutting through lines through areas because there's just so many rooms, so much happening yeah. that you just have to, I mean, you can try to start and get everything and clear an area, but you're not going to. No. You need to just nope. draw through lines. And then eventually, even in this beginning part, you'll start to crisscross and be like, oh, yeah, I was in this room before. I remember this, but I'm on a different trajectory this time. You know, it's almost like meeting friends, like when you're younger, meeting two friends out drinking. It's like, oh, yeah, what's up, dude? And then you keep going. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, I've been here, but i got to keep going this way. See you later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's the beginning phase to me. I suppose that's another thing to mention. There are pretty distinct, like, sections that you can yeah. go to, and they each have a warp gate. And again, this warp gate is a cube. So as you shift your perspective, you can see a new side of this cube and it brings you to a new area. I thought that was so brilliant. Yeah. That was such a great way to solve the traveling in this world problem. Because <laughs> it's really difficult and it's still pretty difficult. They don't spoon feed it to you. It's not like a modern game where you just click where you want to go. You have right. to figure it out and find a path. Yeah. But it's a really great way to do it. Side note, the little post next to it. Mm-hmm. It says warp gate in what they call zoo. Z-U is what the language gotcha. is called to people. Okay. So that's what that says there, <laughs> which I always love. But yeah, we'll get there. That's a, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. So yeah, that's just kind of how it works is there's areas, and each area kind of has hubs. And branches will go off of that. Some of the branches are one room. Some of the branches are 12 rooms. It yeah. just depends. It's ridiculous. So I go to a hub area. It's on the tree. It's the main hub of the whole fucking game. I go straight up, and it is the forest at night, and it is so peaceful, dude. That one is very cool. I liked that one a lot, too. So they have the same thing. The colors are brilliant. The tree looks great. There's creatures everywhere. There's so many types of birds. There's, like, little inchworms going past. But something I really love is the sounds. There's the awesome music, but then there's also, in that area, crickets and frogs at night. Yeah, so nice. it's just like sitting outside at night as far as the sound goes that is a spot where I just like stop and play with my phone for five minutes and just like listen to the game a little bit Yeah. so you climb a bit higher and this is one of my favorite little spots in the game I know you encountered this as well there's a shed and you go into the shed and there's seemingly there's only one door in this shed yeah, nothing in it so you spin it, you're back to the door you started at, and you exit. And when you exit... You're in a new fucking room. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is just a warp gate almost. I, I shouldn't say that, I guess, but it's... It exists in two areas simultaneously, depending on how you spin it, literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you exit, you get in, you're in the forest. When you exit, you're on this floating stone that has carvings on it. It looks kind of ancient. It's that thunderstorming area. That you were talking about earlier. Yeah. It is so cool there. I love the thunderstorming area. That's for sure my fa- my favorite like sound design in the game is in that area. 
I absolutely love it. Then right away, they have the crow fly by the graves, and then the thunder claps, and you see the silhouette of the whole place. And yeah. you, like, the thunder. When the lightning hits and the thunder claps, it looks so good, dude. It For looks real. amazing. And the lightning actually uh, reveals some of the... Uh... Some hidden platforms that you need to it does dude. to traverse the area and figure out some puzzles. I really like that the rain bounces off of them as well. Yeah. So it's just very very cool. So we go through that, or I go through the area. It's super cool. I'm just cutting that through line again. I'm not really absorbing much. I'm mostly just collecting gold pieces. Yeah. Doing you know the very light puzzles that come my way. So I go through like a catacomb looking area. It has the organ music. And this is the area where I encountered the black holes for the first time. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Dot says, symptoms of the imminent collapse of reality. If you do not collect the cubes and return the things to normal. If you touch the pieces of black hole, you are sucked in and die. So this brings me to something I love about Fez. And this is part of the game being, like, pressure-free, in my opinion. Is when you die, it doesn't matter at all. Right. You just go to the last platform you were on. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. The music doesn't cut. There's not even a reload. Your sprite just reappears up top. Yeah. There's no enemies in this game, you start to realize. There's nobody you are fighting. It's just you and the environment. Sometimes it's surviving the environment. Largely, it's just analyzing the environment. Yeah. And that is when the game gets comfy for me. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay, this doesn't matter at all. There's no pressure here. I can go at whatever fucking pace I want, chill the fuck out, leave the room, come back. The game encourages you to sit and ponder it, which is my favorite thing to do is sitting and pondering. (laughs) (laughs) So how did it feel for you? Did it have that same relaxed feeling? Because I'm on like a fourth playthrough. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like nerve-wracking or anything, but it was, I wouldn't say it was relaxing. Like... A challenging, uh, you know, it was uh, very much trying to just figure shit out. And especially knowing that you can figure it out was almost frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> what I wrote is, take your time, try as many times as you like, enjoy the music, the vibe, the backgrounds, the small details. Stuck, go explore somewhere else and come back. You may have new info or a fresh perspective. And for you, it was not that to start at all. I mean, to be fair, I think it's partially because I was just putting too much pressure on myself to, like, do it and figure it out. Yeah, I I didn't give myself the, the breathing room to just, like, just sit and look at shit. Yeah. So one of the first places I went was the Giant Bell. Nice, yep. <laughs> and there is a numeric system to decode in this game. The bell's a pretty easy puzzle, if you know that this is <laughs> uh, how it works. How did it feel to you? Did you know basically right away, or what did you think about it? Yeah, once I realized that I was able to ring the bell and saw that each side had a different symbol on it, I was like, okay, that's got to be numbers. Yeah. I, I, don't, I still have no fucking clue what those numbers are, but clearly it's numbers. I still didn't know if those numbers meant what order I ring them in or how many times I ring each side. Gotcha. And so I, I knew I had a lot ahead of me to figure out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I did not take the time to decode the entire language for a third or fourth or fifth time. I have a cheat sheet that I used from my previous playthroughs, and I just rung the bell. And got it over with. <laughs> and it disappears and becomes a cube. So, oh no, that one's the first, that was my first anti-cube. Ah. And Dot says, you found your first anti-cube. For every cube, there is an anti-cube. A negative for every positive. Anti-cubes are much harder to find than regular cubes. 
And then just to clarify, there are 32 regular cubes, 32 anti-cubes, but they all count as cubes. So if you're working towards 32, anti-cubes and cubes all work together. It's fine. Yeah. This was my fourth cube, which was enough for me to open the fourth cube door. But I was already long past it. I had forgotten where it was. So I just moved on with my life. Yeah. Same. I had uh, 12 or so cubes by the time I came back to open up the four and eight cube doors. Yeah. I was pretty far along in my playthrough. Because that's kind of what, one thing that I assumed, was that if you have the four, eight, sixteen cube doors, I assumed you would need to get everything th- in the four cube door before you could even get to the eight cube door. That is not the case. Nope. 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 There is not. Those aren't barriers whatsoever. I finished, this, this playthrough, I finished most of the game. <laughs> not most of the game, but I was probably pretty much at 32 cubes by the time I even fucked with opening those doors. <laughs> yeah. It, which was very surprising to me, for sure. So then I entered the small door below the bell, and that took me to a similar area. Sunny, stones, grass, cube pieces, just standard fed stuff. Once you start getting the hang of it, there is puzzles that have feel here, feel here, feel here, and there's a lot of just normal fed stuff that lets you just explore and experience the environment. Yeah. So that's what I did for a while. I just, you know, traversed the areas, found cubes, racked them up. Yeah. How did you feel when you found out there were just as many anti-cubes as cubes, by the way? I forgot to ask. <laughs> um, <laughs> just piling up. Yeah, I was like, you know, I was like, you know, 32. Well, to be fair, it wasn't that big a deal because I was just cruising through getting cubes at that point. Mm-hmm. I, was, I assumed getting, you know, gathering the cubes was going to be a lot more time intensive than it ended up being. Yeah. And so then when I found out that there's just as many anti-cubes, I was like, okay, well. You mentioned that they're harder to get, so that's going to be something. But, you know, hopefully they come along pretty much as quick. And they honestly, they mostly do. Yeah, they do. They do. It's just the rooms that you have to return to over and over and over. But it's, it's one of those things where, like, the goal becomes unlocking every room more than the cubes, at least for me. Yeah. So once that happens, it's, it's inconsequential how many cubes you have. I, when I finally got my final cube, I didn't even realize. I was like, oh, shit, yeah, okay. I still had a couple more rooms I wanted to do, so it didn't even matter to me. Right. I didn't care. It was yeah. like, whatever. So I ended up at the lighthouse. We, you know, I'm sure you ended up there plenty of times. It's a decent oh, yeah. landmark. And the first time through Lighthouse is pretty fun, dude. That's a that's a pretty big landmark for me as far as like really how Fez feels. That lighthouse is it. It's very disorienting. You can't figure out what you can't get to the top. What's going on here? Yeah. So you go inside and then there's metal girders and it's blue and gray. It's like an old Mario level. I love the old school graphics in that, by the way. It's inside of the lighthouse and then the lower level, and then there's one spot at the very top. It's like yeah. a little secret area that have regular Nintendo-style graphics. Yeah. And that is something I love about this game, is each section has the visual distinguishments. Yeah. Like, this is the sewer area. It's old school graphics. It's all green. A subset of the sewer area is this color. When you go up to the top, the leaf area, these are the primary colors. Yeah, they're it's, definitely very distinct areas like you know a whole cluster of rooms that had the same sound design and visual design and those areas are those that was the cube that was the warp gate cube and so yeah absolutely at least for most of them i would say honestly the sewer area was maybe my least favorite area really yeah Yeah. it's the the most difficult platforming Uh, and it's just kind of difficult to see what you're looking at (laughs) interesting yeah that's one of my favorite areas i love the sewer area really yeah it's just so mysterious where it's just like what's down here dude like what the fuck are we gonna find in the depths you know it's like fez's moria (laughs) so it was just like it had that it was almost like a looming quality where it was like oh shit like that's if there's anything bad in this game it's down in those sewers yeah so it's like 
did they delve too greedily and too deeply in here? <laughs> <laughs> so the soothing music from outside begins to kind of leave. Cannot stress enough how old school Nintendo the area feels. Like for it sure, really does. There's very this, much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles feel. It, that is exactly how it feels, dude. That is so... The 80s and pipes, dude. They just love sewer <laughs> pipes, dude. Right. <laughs> I love it. The music changes. It's more moody. It's super good. It fits. The platforms and buildings are surrounded by water. The water is also green. And you are introduced to levers that can rotate in 3D to raise and lower the water levels. And it was immediate Water Temple vibes. I was yep. just like, oh, here we fucking go, dude. Like my first time down there, I was not excited. <laughs> I have grown for those to be like one of my favorite areas, but it was not at, at first. It was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, there's at least three or four different levels here. I see three levers from wearing standing that can raise and lower this water. This is a multi step puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> and so, honestly, that's one thing that I really appreciated about the game, though, is that they didn't overdo how much you need to change your perspective. I was really, you know, in the very beginning, I really was like, okay, you. They're going to really, like, make you change perspectives in a certain combination. And yeah. and it really it mostly wasn't. There definitely were areas where it was like that. There are specific puzzles that make you do that a yep. little bit. But for the most part, like, when you see where you're trying to go, you can get there with just, like, two or three perspective changes. It's not it, it's not too heavy-handed with that, which I really appreciate it. It's not. There, yeah, like you said, there's a couple spots, and one of them I don't like. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, I agree with you. They do do a good job of that. And it is also appreciated for me because a gimmick can get old quick. Yeah. Like, and it, at no point does it become a gimmick to me. It's just like, this is the mechanic. It is not a gimmick. They've nailed it. Right. Good point. So you're introduced to the levers, and then you're also pretty quickly introduced to those platforms that spin, but they spin in three dimensions. So whether they're spinning, like, top to bottom or left to right... Yeah, they like yeah the platforms that spin on their own. Yep. So when you're standing on it, you don't have to press a button. It'll just Correct. change your perspective for you. Yep. Which you often don't want it to do. No, it's, it's <laughs> difficult. This was not like the first place to go. <laughs> like, I yeah, granted, no. I meandered a little bit, but this was for someone on their first playthrough. Don't go to the sewers first. Yeah. Don't no. go to the sewers first. I remember Tyler playing the sewers for the first time, and we were playing together. And he was just upset. <laughs> he was just did not did not have a good time down there. <laughs> How was your experience on those the first time? Honestly, once I realized what was going on, I caught on pretty quick. I, I just you know, as soon as it rotated me, I just rotated back, and I was like, okay, I I know where I want to go. I know what I want to do. So undo what you just did to me. So that's easy enough. That's fine, dude. Hell yeah. So. We do some of that. We do some raising, lowering, and we find our first QR code. Yeah. That was a fun moment. It's fun every time. We're just like, oh, here's a QR code. They do a lot of threes in this game, which I appreciate, you know. You know, three uh, tuning forks, three of this, three of that. They don't ever do it. Comedy, rule of threes. Yeah. <laughs> like, perfect. So, hold my phone up to the screen, zoom in, QR code, and it gives me search results of right trigger, right trigger, left trigger, right trigger, left trigger, left trigger, left trigger, right trigger. And I get a cube. Yep, an anti-cube. Yeah. And that's the puzzle. That's it. Yep. So how did you feel about that? Uh, I, I, actually, you were in the room when I, when I hit my first one. I was like, QR code. 
like, do I really have to do this? And you're like, yep. I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, that's fine, I guess. And I was worried that they were going to overdo that one, too. But uh, honestly, man, they did a great job of, like, like you said, they, they just don't overdo it. They had, they exercise restraint. I was concerned that they, again, I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to have to, like, pull my phone out every fucking ten minutes to look up QR codes. Like, nope, you are going to have to pull your phone out every ten minutes, but not for QR codes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, you need, this is something I warned you about right away, is you, like, you need a pen and paper or you need your phone out. Like, you need yep. to be, you need to be writing things down. In yeah. this game, it's an old school game. You need to have your own notes, or it's not going to go well. Yeah, and that's yeah. just the way it is. Unless you have a guide open the whole time, which I didn't use a guide until I was completely stuck later in the game. I had I had decoded the numbers myself. I had decoded the Tetris pieces myself. I had decoded a portion of the language, and then I had the black monolith. Obviously, the what they call the security question one. I had not finished that one, and I think there was one other one I hadn't finished. One or two others. I can't remember. So, like, my first playthrough was, like, a purist playthrough. I tend to, like, to not look things up as much as I can. I am a product of the 90s. I watched you for part of your playthrough, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, you definitely gave me some hints that helped me a lot, which, honestly, yeah. For a lot of it, it was things that I probably could have got on my own, but it would have taken a long fucking time, and it would have been frustrating. So (laughs) I I definitely appreciated the the hints that you you dropped. Um, (laughs) But, like, with the hints, like, that's the thing is, like, in the day, there was hints. There was friends, older brothers. You'd go to school, you'd tell somebody you were stuck at a spot, and somebody'd be like, oh, my, my older brother's friend played this, and he said that you have to do this, this, and this. Well, and a lot of times back in the day, the hints were in the fucking game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. And that's another point about this game is, the, you know, people who made this expected you to be looking stuff up and working with people online. It was, I could be mixing this up with a different game, but if I recall, they created a forum with the game for players to go in and discuss the game and the puzzles together. Gotcha. Which feels pretty crucial. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. this is a hard fucking game. There's a lot of hard puzzles. Like, the mechanics aren't necessarily hard outside of a couple platforming spots, but it's a hard game. Like, right. Like, I remember explaining the core concept to our friend Eric. So he said, oh, it's kind of like more of like a simplistic style game. And I was like, I would not call it that. No, <laughs> no, no, that's going to be one of the more complex games I've, I've, I've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, it looks really cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, yes, mechanically, it's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, but, just a couple buttons. Yep. But yeah, no, it's, it's not simple. <laughs> uh, so he did the QR code down there in the in the doldrums in the depths of the game yeah and nearby there's a similar puzzle it's the first one i encounter and there's a door with what looked like connected tetris pieces on it and this is a whole other part of the game we talked about already you have to decode the tetris pieces that one they at least give you a way to decode that even though it's still they don't tell you how to do it it's some semblance of you know a clue yeah absolutely so we can let's talk about that room right now. Even yeah. though it's like way at the top later, like well, there's no later. It's just you know you go where you go. You could have already gone there. Doesn't yeah. matter. But for me, it was much later in my playthrough. But I remember the first time I walked into that room, and like many rooms in Fez, it's a, a tower going upwards, and at the top of the tower, there's this weird monolith-looking stone, and it just has like random inputs showing in it, and it's just random Tetris pieces, and you're moving around the room. How did you feel in there for the first time? I didn't quite understand it at first, for sure. I, you know, I noticed that, like, okay, every time I hit a button, a new piece comes up. And it wasn't until, yeah, 
playing with it for quite a bit and then I forget exactly what you said but you dropped another you know subtle hint because I was like yeah okay like I, I noticed that every time I hit a different button a different piece shows up I was like but I don't see any pieces anywhere and I think you said something along the lines of, like yeah you don't see me in this room and I was like okay gotcha okay so these this makes sense because yeah. yeah you do often see strings of yeah these just tetraminos basically yep. mm-hmm. and that's when it like, clicks like okay so that was, that's that's the code that's the input code yep that was such a big revelation for me and then so with those they're red top to bottom and then if you rotate it 90 degrees to the left right yep that seemed natural to me it just made sense it's like all right well it goes there there i want to turn it this way and then they just made it easier and that was perfect and the unlocking of doors in this game is so satisfying it, really is. it slides aside it plays that sound it is just mysterious and mystical (laughs) it is so fucking great dude i know because like you like we were talking about earlier you have dot or whatever that when you go you know when when you walk up to a door that you've been through before it like you know hovers over that and lets you know what is on the other side of that door yeah and so there's just something so exciting about you walk in front of a door and it's just blank there's just nothing that's not telling you shit it's so good oh you nailed it that's like oh this is a fresh one So this door like leads to one of the more ominous, if not the most ominous, place in the entire game. So you enter this door, and you come out in an area, and it is disturbingly red. It has the same OG graphics as the surrounding area, you know, the old school Mario area, but it is deep, deep red. Yeah. <laughs> the sounds all change. The music changes, it's darker, the area is noisy, there's static sounds, there's this bass pulsing. It is ominous as fuck. For sure. (laughs) This game masters giving areas feels. And this area has a hell of feel. It's just like, uncomfortable, this is fucking great. Go into a room, and I find my favorite puzzle in the first playthrough. Like, I was playing this game, and I was liking it, and I remember I found one puzzle, and I kept going back. And it was just like, they make a weird sound, and the controller vibrates a bunch, and they're really, you know, bare rooms. So it's like, whenever there's a really bare room like that, a lot of times in this game, it means just sit here and stare at me, and just try and shift your perspective on the room. And I did that, and I remember feeling it for the first time, being like, that's left and right in the rumble on the fucking controller. It's a left and right perspective switch code. (laughs) <laughs> and I fell in love with the game. I was just like, this is the shit. This is going to be one of my favorite puzzle games of all time. So fucking great, dude. Oh, yes. Yeah, I my my experience was basically the same. It was, yeah, I, I was just kind of the same sort of thing. Just like, you know, rotating around, looking at it. Again, noticing the, like, the vibration, but I was just noticing vibration. I wasn't noticing the exactly. sides at first. Yep, you don't at first. And, so you, and you, yeah, you really have to just, like, sit and just, like be in it for a while and then it just like dawns on you like oh yep (laughs) oh back and forth okay yep and once again there's there's three of those in the game and each time even on like however many playthroughs each time i find one of those rooms i'm fucking pumped on it i'm like yep baby let's do it (laughs) so you put the code in and you get a cube in case you haven't figured it out that's the prize to most of these like we said the prize really is solving the room once you really get going in the game you're there to solve the rooms. You don't really give a fuck about the cubes anymore. But you're getting a cube piece or an anti-cube or a full, you know, full cube, an anti-cube or a cube piece. That's 95% of the puzzles. That's the prize. So then you leave the room and then you encounter the rising lava. 
<laughs> and the platforming. That Go one ahead. I actually kind of enjoyed. That I that only I only died the first time because I didn't realize that the lava was rising. Once I realized, like, oh shit, I'm on a bit of a time crunch here, I knocked it right out. It was easy peasy. I did kind of enjoy that one actually. So you do the platforming where there the pieces are moving and the lava's rising and you have to jump up it and you get the timing. I remember my brother because me, my brother, and Tyler all played through this kind of at the same time. They did not care for this part at all dude just aggro just like fuck this game type of shit they were so pissed off that's one of the cool things about this game is that different people struggle on different parts for sure because i definitely did have some very tough spots for me that you had mentioned that like either you or joel had just you're like oh yeah well this part just kind of breezed through i don't even joel knew it right away like that is that is one of the cool things about this game is it is a different experience for everybody so part two of the rising lava is you have a tower and it's in three dimensions. So some parts of the tower have rungs in area B, C, and A. Other parts of the tower have rungs in A, F, and R. Random letters. But you spin the pillar just to kind of navigate through and not get hung up on any of those spots that are covered. So that tower, I think I maybe just kind of lucked out a little bit because honestly I just kept rotating to the right and that, yeah. You, Interesting. As long as you just keep rotating right, you, you're good. And that's... It for the doldrums, at least for now. Is there anything? Just the, there was one of the doors that had the, you know, the string of tetraminos. When that first clicked for me, they're yeah. like, that's what that was. The, that string of tetraminos was an input. I remember just being so pumped, just being like, oh my god, there's, I've seen those in so many places. There's so much I can go back and do now. If I can know what I'm looking at, I, I'm so fucking pumped to like get back to it absolutely that's another thing this game does really well is make you want to retread it yeah which is a hard thing to do in games like getting me to want to go through the same spot i just fucking went through again with the fine tooth comb to find these like little secrets i have to love the game i love to do that but 90 percent of games i don't want to do it with and i won't and it's a joy in this game which i mean i suppose some once you get the first 32 cubes and yeah. you get your second or third of nine <laughs> reboots, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> uh, then you can start seeing in first person. Yep. When you get the glasses, you get the 3D glasses last yeah, when they look like 3D glasses. But the first ones you get are like the cool guy glasses and they lower yep. on your head after the first playthrough. And when you get the first third, the first ending is the 32 cube ending. The 64 cube ending is the real ending. But yeah, so you, you finish the first 32 cubes or whatever, and you get your first your first end of the game, or whatever you want to call it, I guess. Yeah, first um, ending. And then, yeah, you get the sunglasses, and then you can look from first-person perspective. And that was fucking cool. Yeah, I liked it, that a lot. It was very cool. And that's um, when you can start solving those pillars you've been running into. The yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, there's a couple of pillars where, yeah, it's just this small little pylon. And in the top is basically like empty space with a smaller cube just hovering in the center of it. And I'm just like, oh, what the, f-? like, there's got to be something to this. There's got to be something. Eventually yep. figured it out. And again, yeah, there's just another string of tetraminos. And yep. once you find it, you realize what you're looking at. I vividly remember that as well. I remember like getting the first person and going to those pillars and standing on top of one and looking around. And I even went past. I know I went past it on the ground a million times, but I was looking for something else. I was, yeah. and I just didn't see it. Same. Yeah. And I remember I was in the room when you were discovering that as well. 
and I remember you going past it over and over and over and over, and I was just like, I can't say anything. And this yeah. is so hard to not say anything because it's right there. And you had just done your first one. Like I had watched you like solve your first Tetramino puzzle and then you were just not noticing it. You hadn't seen yeah. enough of them yet to have it really grab your eye. Yeah. It wasn't until my second one that I, like you said, I'd already done first person perspective on one of them, looking everywhere, looking all over the pylon and I gave up. And I found another one on my, you know, travels and I was like, all right, let's try this again. And then that's the one that clicked. I was like, oh, Fucking there it is. There's my there's my input, my string of code here. Was, yeah, man. We've done the 32 cube ending. Quick catch up on that. So, four cube door. <laughs> <laughs> four cube door is like easy as hell. It's those big flat islands and there's a door between them and you end up on oh, the other yep. side and you can go through. And before you know it, you cleared the whole area. Easy yeah. peasy. Next, eight cube door. It's raining. There's synth music. There's such good synth music in this. It's just ridiculous. There's uh, this was the uh, neon light area sound. If you remember that, it was kind of like the cafes. And yeah. it's rainy. There's neon lights going. Calm synth wave playing. Decoded some of the signs. It says eat meat. M E E T. So it's like, are we meeting here to eat, or is this a place that serves steak? I don't know, dude. <laughs> and the other one says good. <laughs> Something we haven't talked about, but many of the rooms in this game have no secrets. Yeah. Which is confusing when you first start. Walk in and it's just gold ring immediately. We're like, oh, does the gold ring mean that it's completed? Because I didn't do anything in here. A lot of them have, uh, you know, papers in it or stuff that'll help you decode stuff later. A lot of them don't. Ooh. Yep, just enriches the world in some way. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a little, a little bit more of a world because this room's here. Yeah. And that's, yep. like, how it would be if this was a real place. Every room wouldn't have a puzzle in it. There'd just be rooms that are there to be rooms. Yeah. <laughs> so I loved the game for that. I love yeah, it. And honestly, even that was a little bit satisfying. You're like, you walk in and you open up your map and you're like, oh, I'm done. Yep. All right. Okay. Moving on. Nice. <laughs> Big gulps, eh? Well, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. So in this area, this was my first time encountering one of the classrooms. And... Those are great. They have so many hints. Yeah. For decoding the Tetramino or Tetrino, I always say it wrong. And finding the numeric system and putting those together, those classrooms are crucial. Most yeah. of them have like a little bit of a more simple uh, Tetris piece puzzle in there. They're fun. Yeah. I really like those. I thought they were really good ways to like get you in the headspace of you're learning something. This is a classroom. Look around. There's things for you to learn on the walls. Really clever, really smart. I love it. Also found it, the first owl in this place. Um, it's four nice. owls in the game. You can find them all. They gather at a spot and you get a secret, right? Yeah. Um, they all say something different, mysterious. <laughs> this one says, hear the owls, see their effigy, assemble the parliament. <laughs> uh, and then another room here, which I thought was really cool. This is lore from, like, my earlier deep dives into Fez lore. But there's an unfinished QR code. I don't know if you remember that room. It's an unfinished QR code on the wall, and it has, like, construction uh, scaffolding around it. Yeah. And then later, I didn't catch this on my first playthrough, but later in the game you find another room with the QR code, but it's finished. The first place you find one is supposed to be, like, an older area that they don't... They, it wasn't permanent for them. And the second area you found it is where they migrated to gotcha. in the lore. And it's just like, oh, there's deep lore in this game. 
Were you noticing that stuff on the walls, the different hieroglyphs and different drawings? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you, like different, you know, kings and kingdoms. And, yep. Yeah, like, I mean, I wasn't able to fully understand what it all meant, but yeah, definitely you could tell that there is a story there. Yep. Yeah. Each of the doors represents a different era of the zoo people's evolution. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so, the throne room. The trick to these is behind them, there are left and right inputs. There are two chairs, and you have to take the inputs from both chairs, combine them in order, and then put it in in the second room. Gotcha. But if you do the QR code we discussed a second ago, it negates it and just gives you a bypass of the whole puzzle, gotcha. which happened for you in this playthrough and me in this playthrough. Yeah. This is something we've talked surprisingly little about, but it's a big thing in it. We have been finding treasure maps the whole time in this game. That's right. Yeah. I believe there, was it nine total? I think so, yeah. So, four of them are for a puzzle we'll get to later. Yeah. One of them's a QR code. One of them is for the black monolith room. Bum, 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 bum. The unsolvable puzzle. And the other ones are just drawings of rooms that you're in. And they show you where secret puzzles, or secret uh, platforms are. Yep. Secrets in the, uh, the room itself. Usually via hidden, invisible platforms in the sky that take you to an area you couldn't reach before or didn't know it was there before. Right. It's super fun. You turn them up, you turn them backwards, and they show the converse side. So it's like the first, you know, one side of the paper is the first dimension you see it in, and then you flip the paper over, and it's the second dimension you see it in. So you have to flip between the two to get to the spots. Yeah, it is. That was pretty cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I think it is so fun. I think every single game that is about exploration should have hidden treasure maps in it, even if they're not hard. Just a fucking blast to uncover. What was your? Do you remember your first one that you found? first one that i found was one of the hidden platform ones and in fact i found that room fairly quickly so i would say i was probably you know for sure less than half the way through the game probably like a quarter of the way through the game when i completed my first treasure map i don't remember which one it was though i do i was a bait question i'm gonna refresh your memory i was watching you play it's the one where you have to do the full sweep where you're on a platform but as soon as you turn the platform That's disappears. Right. It's not in the other dimension. So you have to jump and wing yourself in the right direction so that you land on the next invisible platform, and then you take that platform to the treasure chest island. That's right, yeah. And the game is so unforgiving that there's no way back down. They make you do it again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you climb your ass all the way down, and you fall to your death over and over and over. And it's just like, I hate you right now. I was so pissed off at that, dude. Yep, I definitely do remember that one now, now that you mention it. Yep. So we're out of the intro at this point. The intro is where you're kind of cutting the line through the game. You're finding all new areas. You're only going through one path. We're into the meat of the game now. Yep. At this point, we know what the hubs are. We know that there's probably four or five rooms off this hub. We know that there's two or three off this hub. Maybe we're even closing off some areas where it's like, all right, I actually got this area 100%. I'm not returning here. It's done. Unless I'm decoding something later. Yeah. And you start having your repeat puzzles where you've gone in here a couple times and you're not really quite sure what this is and you're going to come back to it later. And at least for me, on my first playthrough, I had heard there was an unsolvable puzzle. 
I knew there was a language in the game, and I knew there was an unsolvable puzzle. These things were spoiled for me ahead of time, and I'm fine with that, frankly. <laughs> there was enough to discover while knowing those two things. So every puzzle you do, you're like, and you can't figure it out, you're like, is this the unsolvable puzzle? Which one's the unsolvable puzzle? And then you find like two or three that all feel unsolvable, and you're like, fuck, it can only be one of them. So that's beginning to linger on the brain. The game's really opened up. You know your main sections at this point. You're really starting to zero in and try to close sections Yep. So I end up back at the waterfall. It's nighttime. Another owl. Awesome. Love yeah. seeing an owl. Interact yeah. with it. This one says the one or the many are one. The one is many. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the waterfall. And then when you twist the screen, you can see the door behind the waterfall. Which I thought was really cool. There's a lot of, there's a couple of spots in this game where there's like a hidden door, but you can catch it briefly. Yeah. When you're switching between perspectives, and I fucking love that. The stone tablet has the tetraminos on it. Press the thing, parts like the Red Sea, and you get to go into the door. But it keeps like the, as though they're shades from a window. It keeps the waterfall around the opening. Yep. Which was pretty clutch. Yeah, I, I loved that. that little uh, that little detail. Yeah, that room actually had two of those tetramino doors because there was that was also the one where the speak friend and enter door in the back. Yeah, the Durin's door. <laughs> yeah. The Moria door. I love that door. That's that's my some of my favorite art in the game is that door. It only appears at night, and it's on that dark wall. It's yep. like the dark slate wall or whatever, and it appears in gold, yeah, like the outline of the door, gold, yeah. and then the tetraminos in the middle. It looks so fucking cool, dude. So then, when you go through Durin's door, it leads to the final OG gaming graphics area of the game. Except this time, it's super close up on you, if you remember. And it's all dark around you, except you have a sphere of light around Gomez. That's right, yep. And you're going through, it's pretty difficult, frankly, to just figure out where you're going. And you have to like use the edge of your screen and jump out and die and figure out where the next platform is. It's like these pink platforms that appear and disappear. Yeah, that, yeah that's, those are the neon platforms yep. I was talking about in yep. the beginning. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love the sound design in that room. It was top-notch. Couldn't agree more. So eventually, it gets to the point where they're disappearing before you, when you, like, you have to jump before the next platform appears. Yep. Super fun. Fucking love that kind of stuff. And then you enter another room in the area, and I know you remember this area because you brought it up to me the next day. You're like, after, after you left, I got into the glitchy area. Yeah, that area was really cool, too. I liked that a lot. I thought it was so cool. The original Mario. Yeah. Sometimes you'd get dust stuck in there, or it wouldn't load right and it would load into glitchy mario and you would try to navigate this area and you'd end up in weird areas in these levels that you weren't supposed to get to and that is what this is inspired by yeah i loved this area it has what they did is i looked at it closely they have all different art blocks like they took like samples of art from all the different areas in the game and then those are what are is glitching in and out so it's just like cycling through all of its different like material and then as you navigate this area, you had that same sphere around you that you had in the dark area, but each platform was from a different spot in the game. So like gotcha. one of the platforms is like the purple rock, and then one is the green grass area, and then one is the underground area. So it's like I it's, did kind of notice that as I was going through, but I didn't I didn't think about it. I guess Super Mario World has a level like that, which I really enjoy, where it's like ah, oh, yeah, it's all the different art from the game. I'm a fan of this game, so this is for me. I like this. Yeah. And then at the ending, there are single platforms oscillating upward. Some crumble under you and you're jumping up them. Indiana Jones style shit. And there's a cube at the top. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to say spoiler beforehand, but... Oh, dude. Spoiler, I didn't. 
So at this point, we've unlocked a bunch of those shortcut doors, so you can zip around the world with those all over the place. It's super fun. When like when you think you're stuck at a dead end, and then you see one of the shortcut doors, you're like, "Oh, thank fucking god!" Right. Like, you looked at the map, and there's not a warp gate for like five or six rooms over. There's nothing, nothing happening. It's just like fuck. Those really get you out of some tight spots. Big fan. Shout out to our double square doors. Yeah. So as you go, there's different spots, different floating islands. There's another set of those thin and large floating islands that we talked about before. I don't like this part. And you earlier said you didn't like this part. It's where you have to do the full 180 degree swing to get to the other side. Yeah. So you're on that giant island and you have to jump in the air and finagle it so you land on the end cap of the island, if you will. And then you need to get to the other end cap 180 degrees over and you have to like jump out, fucking make sure Gomez is in the right spot so that when you switch perspective, he'll be in the correct location. And that's how you have to get there. Yep. I don't like that part. Yeah. I don't have a lot of negative things to say about this game. And I understand that that's part of the... It's like pushing the spinning mechanic to its max, its logical conclusion. But I don't... Most of this game doesn't push it that far. They keep it within the more usable realm. Yeah. And I feel this was a a step out onto a skinnier branch that I didn't appreciate quite as much. Yeah. (laughs) How did you feel about that part? Uh, I agree. I also am very glad that they were very sparing with that mechanic. Yep, didn't like it. Moving on. Jungle-themed <laughs> area. We haven't even talked about the jungle-themed area. That area is great, and it's the only area in the game, besides the intro, where you cannot spin in your dimensions. That's it right. It takes that mechanic from you and only allows you to spin it at one of those levers again, like we had with the water levers. That's earlier. right, yeah. It's an isolated area. The jungle area is small. It's the only area that isolates your powers, and you climb to the top. It's super fun, and I enjoyed it. It's kind of a breath of fresh air. It's like, yeah. okay, cool. This game is just going to tell me what to do for this part. I don't have to think critically about this. I'm just going to use the mechanics I already understand, and they have it told me where I can even use them. I can't use them freely. Easy peasy. Yeah, that area was very Donkey Kong Country. Totally right. I didn't even think about that. Side note, as you're aware, I suck at Donkey Kong Country now, dude. <laughs> I used to be pretty good at that game, and I am shit at it now. Uh, it was just that barrel level. Once you get past that, you'll be, you'll be fine. <laughs> that barrel level. It's every level. <laughs> nah, there was, that, there was that one level in the snow area that you were having trouble with. But I, yeah, man, I guarantee once you get past that one, you'd do fine again. Oh, I'm sure I would. So the artifacts. We haven't talked about the artifacts at all. I did not find the artifacts as useful as a lot of people in this game, I don't think. Me neither. I tried to find them useful, and it did not work for me. (laughs) Yeah. They weren't my thing. Like, there's the two, there's, like, the the die that's supposed to have the letters, there's the die that's supposed to have the numbers, there's the skull, and then there's the book that's coded. So, I looked them up to see what they actually are. So, the red one is called the writing cube by the fandom. And depending on how you rotate it, it actually shows all 24 letters of the Zoo language. I never figured that out. That's probably why I had to look up how to decode the whole language. And I just got it from scrapings off of walls and stuff, and I got like a handful of letters. Yeah. So, that's what that one is. Yep. and then the blue one was the, was blue the numbers. Was, and I guess the thing that really threw me off with it is that I assumed that it was going to be numbered 1 through 6, yeah. like a die. And it was not, it just had random numbers on there. Yeah. Yeah. Just letting you know that that's what numbers look like 
And I was like, well, yeah, I know that. Yep. I know that that's what these numbers look like. I see them. Yep. I see them all over the world. <laughs> I was really hoping this was going to help me decode what those numbers were. It no, does not. It will not. <laughs> I spent a lot. I spent a good long time just staring at that, doing my damnedest to figure out what those meant. I it's... did as well. One of the other artifacts you find in the game is White Skull. And it has three eyes in it. And that has to do with, like, a whole backstory with, like, one eye and two eye and three eyes and the evolution of the zoo people. And it's way too long of a story for this podcast. (laughs) It's wild. Gotcha. If anyone has the time, look at the post from user Stilgar90 in the Fez subreddit from eight years ago. (laughs) And it is a fantastic, detailed recounting of all of the lore available in the game. And... Kudos to that person because they fucking nailed it and it was a great read. (laughs) So, moving on, let's talk about some rooms again. So we're starting to have a lot less rooms. And a lot of the rooms are kind of like the bigger puzzles and stuff we've come coming back to. Yeah. The telescope room. That was cool. I liked that. The, uh, The game has an internal clock. Yeah. It is going through the day. Morning, afternoon, evening, and night. There's a sunset, there's a sunrise, all the colors in between. It's fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so there are some puzzles. Like, you can only find owls at night. You can only do the, you can only solve the telescope puzzle at night. So, I found two red blinking lights in the night sky. One was blinking on the left, one was blinking on the right. And I was like, well, that's the left-right input. I've seen that all over this game. I put it in, I was like, room fucking solved. Apparently not. Apparently there's something else in the room. Sam, I watched you do this room. You had the exact opposite experience. Yeah, I, yep, I, because I noticed that the telescope rotates, and so in the night sky, it has little tetramino pieces, and so I'm like, okay, well, clearly it's got tetramino pieces in every direction, you gotta just put those in. Boom, did that, and then I was like, wait, why isn't this room done? It says there's still another secret. What the fuck do you mean? There's nothing else in here. I'm like searching the books on the shelves. Like, <laughs> the like, books have like a weird design. It looks like it's something. And I'm like, yeah, I thought for sure. I was like, these green books, this has to be it. <laughs> yeah, and so then I finally, you know, I'm you know, checking the night sky. And then, yeah, see the the red dots. And, <laughs> and it's funny because it, it has the like left, you know, left, right, back and forth. And, you know, it has a little pattern. And then it has a pause every once in a while. And so here I am assuming that like the left and right pattern is the whole string. Right. And so, <laughs> but there's a lot of blinking going on. And so I ended up just like doing a, you know, re- voice recording of uh, left and right. And it ended up being like 30 some inputs or some shit. I'm just like left, I... right, right, left, right, left, 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 right, left, right, left. I was on that boat with you. I thought, even though I had solved that puzzle, I forgot. And I was like, man, this is a really long string. He's been recording that voice memo for a second. And I like, like I don't remember writing down that many inputs, but like you and went so then, through, yeah. yeah. And it was it ended up being like, yeah, like six or eight inputs or something. They just repeated apparently. But that was uh, and I, I I remember I was just getting so like nervous because I was like, shit, because it goes pretty quickly. And it so does. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, fuck, if I miss one of these, I gotta like wait a whole nother full day and then try to re-record it and hopefully get it the second time. And, like, and I got the church giggles while you were fucking recording it and i was like trying not to laugh and throw you off i was like that's so fucking long dude holy shit (laughs) so yeah i really like the telescope room it to me is a really great representation of the puzzles that i had to come back to in this game where it's like ah, it took me two or three times going to that telescope room my first playthrough to really get it 
and yeah. solve that room. And it was so satisfying when I finally solved it. It was just great feeling where it's just like, I did it. I figured that fucking shit out. This yeah. game is awesome. So I have a couple more of those. The clock tower. I thought the clock tower was a really fun puzzle. Uh, yes and no. I like. I agree, but I really think that the intervals that they chose for the for, for that puzzle is the very Fez chosen intervals. <laughs> it's yeah, just like, like really a lot. Yep, <laughs> I agree with that. But if it was shorter, the chances of getting them by accident really, I think, would raise. So let's talk about what the puzzle is. So there's a clock. There's four sides. There's a red, blue, green, gray side. And anytime the clock strikes 12 on either of any of the sides, an anti-cube appears in the spot, right? Red is once a minute, blue is once an hour, green is once a day, and gray is once a week. <laughs> and we're talking real time here. We're not, this is done by your clock on your console. The first one's just cooking. It's cruising and you get that cube and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Did I catch that? I know it. Like, pointing at 12 o'clock when it happened. Is that what cues this? The other ones don't seem to be moving at all. You come back to the room, you notice that they, they are moving, just very slowly. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know what was expected. If they expected you to actually try and time this and get your clock out, or if they were like, they're going to go to the console clock and cheese it, right? But every... I mean, that's, yeah, that's everyone, definitely what I did. Yeah, I everyone cheeses it. it. No, but yeah, I liked that puzzle quite a bit. Maybe the intervals are a bit long. <laughs> yeah. So, this is one that I almost have, like, the opposite this is a room that I almost considered impossible. You you caught on pretty quick to it. My brother solved fucking fast as shit. And that's the unfolded cube room. Yeah. So you go into this room. And you we haven't talked about block puzzles much. But there are a lot of block puzzles in the game, right? Like there's one where you go in and there's four blocks. And they're on a pedestal. And at the base of the pedestal, there's a design that has four blocks. And each side has a different design. And you have to design a shape that's actually a 3D shape in 2D. It's really fucking fun. You do it a couple times in the game, right? Mm -hmm. This is like the cruelest version of that. You see a wall, and on the wall are many shapes. You don't know what the fuck these shapes are. You find out later that these shapes are the different ways that you can unfold a cube. And there are many spots in the game that show different variations of an unfolded cube. So these are things that are in the game. You just have to catch them. I didn't fucking catch this shit at all. One of which which that I did catch before I entered this uh, room, which I thought was really clever, uh, and actually I think I pointed it out to you when I saw it, was an unfolded cube globe of the world. I was like, oh, look at that. That's clever. I like that. Yeah. So at no point when looking at that in my first playthrough did I think these are unfolded cubes. It never fucking occurred to me. I was trying to do, trying to create all of the shapes in there, and that wasn't working, and I was trying to jimmy it because a lot of them don't work. And I think I just, by happenstance, stumbled into a solution. I didn't know why it worked, but it gave me the anti-cube, and I moved on with my fucking life. Fast forward, playing the game with my brother and Tyler. My brother's telling me about his playthrough, and he's like, Man, I really like the unfolded cube puzzle. And I was like, What the fuck's the unfolded cube puzzle? He's like, Well, there's, you know, like a stone wall. It has all the different ways you can unfold the cube, but one's missing. And so I figured out which one was missing, and I put it in, and that was the puzzle. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I never figured that out. I never figured it out. So then you and I are doing the playthrough. You caught that. You caught that those were unfolded cubes. Yeah, it took me a, it took me a couple minutes, but yeah, I, I didn't, certainly didn't get it right away. I definitely tried, you know, same thing you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I tried recreating some of these shapes, but I 
pretty quickly realized that you just can't. There's, you know, certain shapes just aren't possible to recreate. And so then I was like, well, okay, this has to mean something then. I, yeah, I think I just remembered the, uh, the unfolded cube globe. Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe, yeah, okay, so these are just unfolded cubes. I'm like, okay, well, it's still going to take me a while because I don't... I, I'm having trouble just visualizing how to <laughs> unfold cubes in nine different ways. <laughs> yeah, I was blown away. Like, I, to me, that was like, like we were talking about, like, it's different for everybody. Like, I would have never fucking thought of that. But both you and my brother both thought of that. So, at this point, I solve a lot of those meat and potato puzzles. Those really fun, good puzzles. There are others, but podcasts can only be so long. Right. There's so many fucking great puzzles in this game. And we haven't even talked about the end phase of this game yet. The end phase is when you are closing shit out. There are not whole wings left. There is not areas you have undiscovered. You've discovered all the areas. The whole map is unlocked. You've seen most of the rooms, if not all of them. And there are rooms you have not gotten yet. <laughs> and it yeah. is getting difficult. And you are going back to rooms you have been to. Pure intention of closing this area out and never coming to it again in this playthrough. Yep. So... Find the last owl says a point of origin after and beyond <laughs> to kick off the final part of this podcast. Yep. So we go back to the owl room. All four owls are there. It's raining, I believe. Yep. And there's an owl head, and each way you turn, the head turns, right? Yep. Kind of inferring the owl also exists in all the dimensions and can do whatever. There's four owls in the game. You get them all to come to this area. Where you, you assemble the parliament, as the first owl asked you to do. Yep. yep. And it opens the door. You go into the door, it takes you to another owl room with a huge fucking owl, and you get a cube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> room clear, cleared, we're fucking done, closed out, leaving the area. We're finishing up more rooms, closing out whole sections. So next, is one of my favorite points in the game, is when you enter the mausoleum area. And you've been staring at those four fucking pieces of paper the whole game. And you're like, what do these go to? What do these go to? What do these go to? And you walk in the room they go to. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> so you walk in and you immediately know that this is the room that those correspond to. They're all like grids of doors. Was it four doors, three levels of them? They all look the same, but there's different amounts of doors and different patterns. And each piece of paper has those doors and it shows you which one to go in. And they all have a number at the bottom. But if you haven't solved the number problem yet, you can't solve this puzzle. And I had not solved the number problem yet. This is the puzzle that broke the number problem for me. I brute-forced this fucking room. I sat here and tried every fucking combination until I got it right. And once I got it right, I noted the numbers, and that gave me one through four. I took one through four to the boiler room, and I looked at the shit on the walls there. I think there's six in there, right? There's six or seven. Um, I think eight, actually. Eight? Yep. Oh, yeah, because there's the hidden one in there. Yep. yep. You need to do first-person perspective to see the, uh, the eighth one. So I must have brute-forced that. But then I know I took that information, and I solved the boiler room. And I got numbers one through eight. And once you have that, figuring out nine isn't too fucking hard because right. it's the one you don't fucking know. Yep. So this is the room that broke the numbers for me. This room was a special place in my heart. I love the mausoleum. Yeah, that spot was pretty cool. I um, I unfortunately accidentally brute forced it and didn't... I just kept trying the doors and just by happenstance to get, happen yeah. to get the uh, that happens right. in this game you solve stuff by accident yeah and it's and that, and when that happens you're like well fuck I need, yep. <laughs> I need to understand why I completed that in order to understand other puzzles so once you solve that you enter the next room it's just the door opens in that area in the mausoleum you go deeper and we're in a red area again 
red water, and there's an island, and it's a skull. And there's smaller islands, and there's smaller skulls. <laughs> uh, the helper dot goes, I can feel it. I can feel the cosmos. <laughs> it's like, jeez, dude. That's a lot. So you swim to a smaller skull island off the side. And you get, that's when you get one of the artifacts that we talked about earlier, the skull with the three eyes. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's where you get that. Then there's the security question room. I spent so much fucking time sitting and staring at this room trying to solve it because I was not going to look anything up of anything. I was going to be the one who solved this game 100% by myself. You know, the one person who solved the black monolith room, I was going to do all of it myself. I consider the security question room impossible. Any like a normal player to solve. I think it is asking way too much of yeah of the player. I don't like this puzzle. It's one of the few puzzles in the game I will say that about. This is the room where you go in and there's a huge stone tablet and it has lots of writing on it, right? You can decode the writing and it says, What is my name? Security question hint. My first half is what it is. My second half is half of what made it. My first half is what it is. And that's supposed to be meta, right? Meta is referencing itself. My second half is half of what made it. So Polytron is the company that created the game. Half of Polytron is Tron. And I understand that part of the experience was having people work together to solve these things online. All of that aside, it really took the wind out of my sails to find that the answer was Metatron. Didn't like it. Moving on. Again, we don't need to dwell too much on what we don't like about the game. Next is the the puzzle, right? Like, it's the impossible puzzle. Yeah, that one. You kind of killed it on that one. You, like, right away, you're like, oh, yeah, there's a room. I saw a room that has this on the floor. So, Black Monolith Puzzle is an unsolved puzzle. There are people that claim it has been solved. This, To be clear, this has been brute forced. You can solve, you can finish the room, but nobody knows quite why that is the solution. Right. There's stuff with like putting the date that the game came out into like different ciphers and spitting it out the release date stuff it doesn't on track for me right it doesn't yeah. feel right um so in this room it's just an empty fucking room right on the floor there are designs you notice that these designs are the same as a piece of paper you have in your in your inventory that's like burned a little bit you can only see part of it on the piece of paper you can see the majority of the same design Shows you to tells you to stand here, and then it has a Tetrino code. Yeah, right. You go, you stand there, and it's like a three dimensional stand there. So you have to rotate and stand in the right spot. It takes some finesse. You stand there, you put in the code, and you get the secret revealed sound. It's such a great sound. And out of the floor comes a black monolith. Yeah, raises up, floats above you. Let's pause it there. <laughs> so, what did you think of the up until this point? What did you think of this puzzle? How did it feel for you? Uh, yeah, up until that point, I really enjoyed it. I was like, okay, cool. You know, because that room is empty. There's nothing in it. Nothing. And so I felt like, okay, you have, you must have to go into first person, you know, first person perspective. Mm -hmm. And I did. I actually hit that room before I got the treasure map for it. Mm -hmm. So I noticed the floor, and I was like, okay, interesting. I, you know. Like, Never seen any, you never seen this shape or this design before, but that's yeah. interesting. And so then later when I found the treasure map and I saw that same design, I was like, okay, you got it. it. That yeah. makes sense. All right. 
so I was excited. I went back and I, you know, did the puzzle and got the, uh, got the black monolith. And I was like, okay, well now what? <laughs> like, <Nope. laughs> you can't interact with it. It does fucking nothing. I spent a lot of time in that spot because I wasn't going to look it up. I would just like open that game and try and find hints about this. And I could never fucking find anything. Nobody can, right? Nobody yeah. Can. It's so part two. So that's where we are, right? And it's, to, in my opinion, this continues to be unsolved to this fucking day. If I'm wrong about this and I just missed the post, please, someone who's listening, email ofthemonthpodcast at gmail.com. Find out. I made a couple social medias out there. They all have zero followers. You can be the first. Go in there and tell me I'm fucking wrong. Show me the solution. I want to read it. I would love it. But in my opinion, as it stands, it's an unsolved puzzle. So the next part... You caught it right away. It took me a second, but you just... The part of the paper that's burned obviously shows the opposite side. That you, you stood in one spot, put in the first code. So you figure you'd stand in the other side and input the next code, right? Yeah. So you line up in the next spot. You stand there and you press down, left trigger, right trigger, right trigger, jump, and up. Why? Nobody fucking knows. But it's secret unlocks again. The monolith disappears and leaves half of a 3D red heart in place for you. Dot shows up and says, you found a, what is this? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's not necessarily satisfying because you have to look it up. Everybody has to look it up. But I think that the lore around that room and solving the first half of it is pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed the first half. And I was, yeah, a little irritated when a fucking rotating black fucking monolith just came. Oh, God. Yeah, that was frustrating. One interesting thing about it, though, is that it's a floating black monolith that rotates. And it's the only thing that I know of in the game that when you switch to first-person perspective still continues to move. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's Everything interesting. Everything else, you know, freezes in time. It does, the, yeah. But the black monolith continues to rotate. Interesting. It's a fourth dimension. Yeah. So there's a lot of, in the lore, there's a lot of, like, fourth dimension talk, too. So maybe that's a reference to that. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't catch that. That's cool. So, moving on. Yeah. The room, the myth, the legend is fucking gone. Um, we do still have to touch on the space gate, though. We didn't, uh, we didn't actually talk. We talked to that we finished the game yeah. the first time but we didn't actually so, talk about the space gate we're now at that spot we have all the cubes yeah dot shows up and says incredible you found every single cube and anti-cube that's quite an achievement if i were you i'd go back to the stargate before we do that we need to go to the 64 cube door this specifically is a puzzle that you never solved on purpose at least not that i'm aware of because i saw you go through that door and you had been there earlier and noticed it was covered by water then suddenly it wasn't. Yeah. Do you know why? Did you solve that, or was that by happenstance? I assumed it just came out of the water once I got the 64 cubes. Is, no. Did I, did I, I did something? Yes. Oh. You know those water pumps that you spin? Mm-hmm. There's one of them that controls the water in other areas in the game. Oh, okay. Well, it's yeah. Like, so that's why it was uncovered for you, and that's why it was covered before. You actually did that manually. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I had no idea. You go to the 64? Oh, so... Th- because there was other doors, too. Yep. That and I was you kept like, saying, I swear these doors just appear. And I was like, they don't. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, okay. Dude. That's God why you it. could see those, dude. That's why you could see those doors. They I were... was like, no. For sure those doors weren't there before. <laughs> you're like, no. They, 
there's nothing there before that you couldn't get to before. And I was like, bullshit. Uh, of course there is. I, it, I looked in this room. This door wasn't here. Yep, it was there, just covered by water. God <laughs> damn it, okay. <laughs> so you go to the 64 cube door. The water's lowered from the room behind the waterfall. That's where it is. Two statues surround the door, embedded in a purple pyramid. All 64 cubes fill the door, gold on top, black candy cubes on the bottom. The door opens. Gomez enters an area with serene music and purple skies. There's pink water calmly descending in small columns. The ground is water. Save your small island. You climb up an ancient-looking structure covered with green grass. There's a giant floating red heart in the middle. Those are the two red things you found earlier that you couldn't figure out the fuck they did. Yep. Here's a floating red heart. Or three of them, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Was it three? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's moving as well. Uh, it, it is rotating. I don't know if it still rotates when you look in first person. I didn't do that. Hmm. We'll have to try that. Bing! Future David here. I went into the game and tried this, and I can confirm that this is the second spot in the game where there is an item that continues moving after you move into the 3D. Anyways, back to the podcast. I discovered something new today. Apparently, there is a code in the two dice, which they found by dissecting the code for the game. <laughs> so you, what you do is you bring up the red fucking dice, the red die, and you enter left trigger, right trigger, right trigger, left, so on and so forth. Then you bring up the green cube, and you do the same thing. You put an input, and it makes a secret noise, and the heart dissipates into thin air. And oh. it's fucking gone. So, then it, guess what it does after that? I don't know. It forces a restart. <laughs> Brings you back to the town. Uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. this is the final room of the game. This is, this is like the I beat the game moment. Before it was discovered that you could dissipate the heart, there was people taking screenshots of this room and posting it online as proof that they 100%ed the game. So then you leave. There's nothing else to fucking do in there. Um, the restart I looked, it's still the 209.4%. It's okay. not. So it doesn't add anything nope. to the percentage, at least. It's not. Uh, as far as I can tell, it has not made any difference. So, yeah. The Stargates. So this is at the first ending, the 32-cube ending. We decided on the fly it would be more fitting to discuss at the end, because this is the end of the podcast, and this is the end of the game. So you get there, and Dot says, Amazing, a working Stargate. Then orange and yellow things start spinning, and it opens a giant portal to a new area. You enter the new area. It's pink and purple and weird as shit. <laughs> it's like really cool. It actually reminded me a little bit of Ghostbusters, where they go through the portal. Yeah. <laughs> There's like these weird triangles and sphinxes, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of that kind of vibe. Um, the perspective is way zoomed out, which I liked, and it's really floaty physics. Yeah, you jump super high. Yep. So it's just like you're just climbing up this really weird, bizarre structure. There's no rhyme or meaning. This is not about like level design and platforming. It's about like this is the weird vibe of like this forbidden, bizarre area in space. You know. And now that I'm thinking about, it, I don't remember. Do you rotate your perspective at all during there? I I don't think I ever did. I don't think I did. I don't either. think I even tried to. No, I don't think you can. Maybe it's the second spot you can't do that. I don't think I tried either. Just didn't seem necessary. Right, yeah. You can just get to the top yeah. without doing it. So I can't I, remember if you can I don't can think I ever even tried to rotate it. Interesting. Yeah, same. Sound is great. Pulsing bass. The yeah. ambient sounds. It's fucking awesome. It's a great mood in here. You get to the top, and there's like a pyramid, giant purple pyramid floating at the top. 
and there's a cube above that. There's I think there's an owl in there somewhere. I can't remember. And then in the floating cube, there's a door, a white light. Yeah. And you jump up and you go through, and that big fucking gold cube appears that I talked to you earlier. <laughs> yep. And it starts with like lights everywhere, and it glitches out and fake reboots, and you load into New Game Plus, and it takes you back to your room. And you step out and begin walking, and the first time, it zooms in on you really close, if you remember. Like, mm-hmm. your character just zooms closer and closer, and it gets weirder and weirder. This time, it zooms out, backwards, oh, bigger okay. and bigger and bigger, until your island disappears and becomes the blue sky, and the blue sky becomes a blue cube, and it zooms out to reveal hundreds of cubes. That's right. And then it all goes blank until the four-dimensional shapes fill the screen. And it becomes fuzz like a TV. It mimics the TV powering off, and it rolls the credits. Yeah, very Men in Black ending. Yeah. Very <laughs> Men in Black ending. I fucking loved it. And it was, for what it's worth, more truncated than the psychedelic sequence in, sure. the, in the first uh, That's the true. first ending. The, the game has restarted so many times at this point. We've only discussed a few. If there was like a third thing that I would say like I didn't love about this game, it would be... I'm on a restart. Like, there's like seven or eight. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's a, it's a little egregious. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's a lot. So, you climb to the top again. The first time you climb to the top, you talk to Geezer again. First, The very first time you talk to Geezer, you get your Fez. Then you talk to him and you get your cool guy glasses. Now we're getting our 3D glasses. And those allow you to toggle stereoscopy which turns everything like black and white, but people say that you can use like 3D glasses in real life yep. and look at it and it you can see shit and it looks more three-dimensional and that that actually is the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is you in real life wearing 3D glasses. Interesting. I don't think that the game is expecting you to find something new here to further contribute to that 209.4%. Right. I don't think so. That's the fucking game. That's Fez. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, the, the sound design, especially, I was very impressed with. The visuals were very cool. And just the overall idea of, like I said, 2D and 3D. It was yep. just... Yeah, I think it's one of the best games to look at that I've ever played. Right. It's also yep. one of the best games I've ever heard. This, the music is fucking incredible. The sound effects are fucking incredible. And the idea that they designed an entire 3D world... And then for the bulk of the game, only allow you to access it through 2D viewing and 3D, 2D panels is incredible. Right. I, I know. There's just the um, the brilliance of creating... Because, yeah, like I said, you can get into first-person first perspective mode and see the 3D world. Yep. The and so thing. the whole thing is in 3D. And so to build a 3D model that has to work in four different perspectives of 2D... Just that alone, making a few rooms that way is impressive. But the fact they made a whole entire game that way is astonishing. Absolutely. I completely agree. Hence it being my choice for the freaking first podcast. Yeah, man. It was very cool. I liked it a lot. I'm so glad you dug it, man. Because it's a gamble. You never know. Like it's, There's going to be times when like somebody is way less enthusiastic than the other in this podcast. And that did not happen on our first game. Yeah. So now... It's time for the last part of our podcast, the part where we announce the game for the following week. Yep. So or the Fe- following week, the following month. Yep. So Fez was your pick. Uh, my first pick is going to be Bioshock Infinite. It is an older game, but it has but it one checks of the out. coolest stories I've ever played, man. It's so much fun. It's so 
interesting and well done. I won't say similar to Fez, but definitely is also very fucking cool. I liked it a lot. Dude, I'm super excited. I played the first Bioshock. Did not play the second. I've never played Infinite. I've only heard really good things about it. Like, if anybody is referencing the series, they have, have you played Bioshock Infinite. It's so fucking good. It's so great. Like, Bioshock Infinite did so much for storytelling in video games. I've never played it. I'm so excited, dude. I'm excited for you to play it. It is very cool. Fuck yeah, man. Well, let's do it. Let's uh, play through Bioshock and talk about it next time on the Of The Month podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And if anyone wants to play along, feel free. Also, if anyone does choose to listen to this podcast and has comments about the game, thoughts, feel free to email them in. Ofthemonthpodcast at gmail.com. And send Send the answer to the Black Monolith, please. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, peace out, everybody. Later.